talk some more about the Holy Spirit for the next three weeks, and then we'll wrap up our series on the Holy Spirit. We've spent a whole summer just about uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, ever, well, really, since, since we uh, studied about Shavuot, uh, which is uh, Pentecost, uh, uh, and, and where the Holy Spirit was poured out, we've learned a lot. Uh, we, we've talked about how He is the paraclete. He is the one who, that's the, the one who comes along beside, is what that means. Uh, he's also the comforter. He's the comforter. He's someone who, who will comfort you. You never have to go comfortless. You can be comforted no matter what because of the Holy Spirit being alive well in your, in, in, within your walk. Uh, he, he is also the one that will tell you exactly what the Father is saying about you. He'll only speak what the Father is saying about you. Uh, so you can trust Him. You can trust Him to lead your life. We, we've also learned about gifts. We talked about upwards of 19 different gifts that he gives to, uh, that he gives to the church for all of us to function in various type of gifts that are all designed to help edify the body of Christ, to help build up the body of Christ. If, if someone speaks a word over you or you feel like you get a word from God, uh, if it doesn't edify you in some way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that it's, it's, it's not part of one of the gifts. The gifts of the Spirit are supposed to edify you. Say, so, well, what if it's a corrective word? Hey, if you're walking with the Lord and He corrects you, it, it, it's not necessarily always fun, but it does edify you and feed you, and you are, you are grateful for it. There are times that the Lord corrects, corrects us, amen? So we're going to talk about, uh, for the next three weeks, most of us know this list to some, to, to some degree. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is alive and well in your life, and if you are living a life that is submitted to Him, that's, that's the key to it. There's a lot of believers that the Lord fills with His Spirit, but they don't submit their life to the Holy Spirit. And so they don't get to bear the fruit. That's why, that's why bless you. That's, that's, that's why you don't uh, always... Uh, bump into Christians who exhibit some of this fruit, you know. Uh, sometimes, sometimes Christians can be the grouchiest folk, uh, the most bitter folk, uh, the most judgmental folk, and say, why well, are they not Christian? Well, they may, they may believe in Christ, but they're not submitted to the Holy Spirit. That's, that's really what this is talking about. When you are submitted to the Holy Spirit, you will bear evidence or bear fruit, as, as the Apostle Paul says here, Okay. Uh, and we do our best, and we're not perfect. That's why in church, you know, I always say that church is a good bowl of cereal. You know, you get your milk and honey, but you get your, your, your flakes and your nuts as well. And also you get your fruit loops, right? We kind of, we, we do our best. So, uh, uh, and we kind of turn out fruity at times. Uh, now, something neat to, to understand about fruit, and we'll, we'll reiterate this over the next three weeks. Fruit is not, the, a tree doesn't grow fruit for itself, you know, an apple tree grows fruit because it's an apple tree. It can't help itself. It's supposed to, it's supposed to bear apples. A uh, banana tree bears bananas because that's what it is. If you are a, a, a Christian who is submitted to the Holy Spirit to lead and direct and guide your life, you can't help it. You just bear this fruit. And it's not for yourself. You know, the tree, an apple tree doesn't eat its own fruit. We're the ones that get to eat it. The animals get to come eat it, right? So when you bear fruit, this is not necessarily to benefit yourself. This is to bless others, you know? And if you're going to partake of fruit, 
you've always got to walk out on a limb, don't you? There's always a little bit of a risk involved. It takes trust and faith just to be able to encounter some of this fruit. Also, fruit typically has the, the seeds needed to bear more fruit, to, to plant more trees. So, so I want to suggest that the fruit that we study actually ha- contains within itself seed to replicate itself. You know, if, if you want to be a blessing, start blessing people. And then the more you bless people, you'll see that they'll start blessing people. And you'll start seeing blessings. Why? Because all these things contain seed for replication. Amen? So, let's, let's hop right into it. Fruit. Everyone say fruit. Galatians 5, 23 reading from the Amplified Version. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes. Man, that's the good news today. The good news is we don't have to stay the way that we are. We can continually evolve and become closer in Him. So the work that His presence accomplishes within us is love, joy, or gladness, peace, Patience, look at the amplifiers, and even temper, forbearance. That's really, a lot of people say, Lord, take, you know, Lord, just take away my temper. It's not so much that you, he takes away your temper, but you submit it to him. And he gives you patience in return. You've got to submit things. You've got to surrender things. Kindness, goodness, or benevolence. Faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility. Self-control, self-restraint, continence. And I think we all struggle in our own way with that, don't we? Right? Self-control. Man, we get obsessive about a lot of things, right? Against such things, this is what I love. Against such things, there is no law that can bring a charge. You know, we start, uh, especially with political climates and this and that, we all start... uh, you, know, you hear rumors that, man, they're going to start outlawing, they're going to, they're going to make laws that, that, that are anti-church, anti-fellowships. Uh, you know, especially you, you hear a lot of folks with a lot of opinions you know, on this whole COVID situation, pandemic situation. Uh, we've got um, uh, the Delta variant that's kind of on the rise, all this, and oh man, are they going to shut churches down? All this stuff. They're going to create laws and there's going to be the state takeover, all this stuff. Look, if, if, if you are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and to build your faith in these areas, now will there ever be laws that, that come against the way that we worship and fellowship? Perhaps. I don't know. I don't know what the future has in store. There are countries, Kate just talked about it, to where those laws are. <laughs> you know, they, they're not free to come worship the way that we worship. You know, the way that we build our structure of getting together, perhaps, who knows? But this, these are things that nobody's ever going to make a law against. Loving somebody, being patient. All these, all these things that the Holy Spirit brings about. The Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily bring about, uh, whoo, hey, man, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, so I attend church every Sunday now. Well, that's a good byproduct, but that's not necessarily, this is what the Holy Spirit is more intent on doing in your life, is producing these things. So, we're going to talk about the first three areas, love, joy, and peace. Love, joy, and peace. Oh, that's just so simple, that's so elementary, yet it's the hardest thing for us as Christians to experience, right? <laughs> you know, uh, some, of the, some of the most unloving people I've ever met have been 
Christians. Uh, some of the most non-joyful people I've ever met, you know, some of the biggest Debbie Downers I've ever met sit on pews every Sunday. Uh, so the most non-peaceful people <laughs> can be found in churches, right? So if this really is the basics of the elementary, why is it so hard for us collectively to, to get a hold of? So, so let's jump into this. The very first, now I've, I've heard it taught this way and I actually like it. The very first fruit of the spirit is love. Uh, I've heard it taught that really ultimately love is the fruit of the spirit. Notice it's singular. Fruit of the spirit is love. And all these other qualities are qualities of love. That's kind of a neat way to look at it. But, but I love the fact that Paul states love as the first fruit, the first evidence of the Holy Spirit. Say, man, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That, how, how do you know? Whoa, because I'm prophesying or because I'm praying in tongues or because I'm laying hands on the sick and they're, they're getting healed. They're, well, Paul says, hey, if you're filled with the Spirit, the first evidence you're going to see is the fact that you love people. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 Beloved, let us love one another, for love is, or it springs from God. And he who loves his fellow men is begotten or born of God and is coming. That means progressively moving toward coming to know and understand God, to perceive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of him. Think about that. You want to get to know God more? You, you want to come to a greater understanding? It didn't say to go to seminary. It didn't say to go, nothing against seminaries, but it didn't say to study theology. You want to, you want to get to know God more? Well, go to church more. You want to get to know God more? Attend more Bible studies. Memorize more scriptures. Listen to Christian music. No, he says, if you want to get to know God more, start loving people. Start loving those who, who can't even bring themselves to love you back. How about that? Then you're actually going to recognize and get a better and clearer understanding of God. He who does not love, verse 8, he who does not love has not become acquainted with God. Does not, never did know him. For God is love. So it only makes sense that if God is love, say, well, God chooses to love us. No, God is love. He can't help himself. That's what he is. You know, he does loving things. It, it's, it's, you know, a cat does cat things, right? I'm learning to live with a cat, right? Now we got, we got a German shepherd and that's fine, man. I can, cause dogs, how dogs make sense to me. You can predict what a dog's about to do just by the look in his eye. You say, say, oh, he's hungry. Oh, hey, he needs to be let out. Oh, look at that. He just wants some love. That's all. Cats. Cats give you those weird eyes. What do you think? Why is she looking at me? You know? Any cat owners in here? Y'all know. You know what I'm talking about, right? So, they. Well, there you go. <laughs> That's it. Erica is a cat owner. Now, she, and she's not a bad cat. She just does cat things. You know, and I'm having to remind myself, well, she's a cat. She can't help it. She's going to creep you out. That's just what she does. <laughs> Cats are just kind of creepy. You know, nothing creepy about Ranger, our German shepherd. 
Notice I said our German Shepherd. See, it's a collective thing. <laughs> Nothing creepy about him. It's kind of slobbery at times. Yes, but her cat is creepy. I'll just say that. <laughs> but he can't help her. Well, she can't help her. Why? Because she's a cat. She just does cat things, right? Licks cellophane. What is up with that? What is up with cats licking cellophane? Like, like anything plastic. Plastic bags, everything. Just Cats, they can't help it because they're cats. That's how God is about love. Man, he just loves. He loves. He loves. He can't help. So how can God love this person? Well, because he's love. He is love. If you've, ever, if you've ever felt loved, you're actually feeling a sense, a part of God. If you've ever poured out love, you've actually poured out a part or a sense of God. Why? Because he is love. So if you want to get to know God more, just start loving people. What if I don't agree with it? It doesn't matter. You can actually, I know this is profound for today's society. You can actually love people you disagree with. What a shock. You can actually love people who want to hurl insults at you. You can actually love people who may disagree with your faith. What a shock. You can still love them. Just because you love them doesn't mean that you agree with them. Doesn't mean you condone their life. Doesn't mean you, you uh, green light their actions. You can still love them. Love, the very first, if you are submitted to the Holy Spirit, the very first thing you start experiences is you start loving folks. Man, I've seen people when they've come down and given their heart to the Lord uh, and uh, growing up in church, man, they want to hug everybody. I mean, they just, you know, they're big old tears of repentance and they're hugging everyone. They're hugging the fake plants. Remember, churches always had fake plants and stuff up on stage to decorate. They're hugging the fake plants. They're hugging everything, hugging the pews, hugging everybody. Why? Because, because that's the first thing when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the first thing they want to do is just love on people love on people. We should be the most loving people here in this community and in the greater community. If we were actually a spirit-led, spirit-filled church. So, oh, spirit-filled church, that means that you guys are going to swing from the chandeliers. No. <laughs> spirit-filled church should mean that we love people more than anyone else. Because we're so full of the spirit of love, the spirit of God. Amen. Paul said this, you remember 1 Corinthians 12, we camped out there for several weeks because he listed a whole truckload of spiritual gifts, right? Spirit, uh, you know, the gift of prophecy, gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, gift of healing, gift of faith, gift of, I mean, all these power-packed gifts. Look what he says in chapter 13, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, or earthly languages, heavenly languages, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, you remember he said, hey, I wish all of you could, if, if I'm going to pray for all of y'all to have a gift, it would be the gift of prophecy. Because he who prophesies edifies the body, the whole body. Remember that? Paul said that. He said, I could have the gift of prophecy. And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, you remember that word of knowledge? And if I had such faith, the gift of faith, right? If I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing, nothing. I've seen believers who operate incredibly in the gifts of the Spirit, but struggle in loving people, and they are not effective one bit. As much as I want to see the gifts of the Spirit activated and just working in your life, I want so much more to see us love people 
Then he goes on to say, if I gave everything I have to the poor. Oh, the gift, the, the spiritual uh, gift of giving. Okay, that was one of the gifts that we talked about. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Let that just kind of sink in. Because some of these words have not described me of late. It does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. That hurts. (laughs) So I'll I'll be the first one to confess. You know, I, I do my best to love people. Man, if somebody's wronged me, it is hard, man. I want to, I want to duly note it, right? <laughs> but true love keeps no record of wrongs. Praise God, that's how he loves us. That he does not keep a record of my wrongs. It is covered under the blood. It is covered under the blood. I'm telling you today, through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is very possible for you to love some of the most unlovable people in your life. It doesn't mean you've got to go out and have pizza with them. Take coffee breaks with them. There was someone uh, who was a part of my family years ago, my extended family, and caused a great, great amount of pain to all of my family. And I struggled. If ever, if ever I hated somebody, and I'll confess, if ever I hated, literally hated someone, I struggled with hatred toward this man. And uh, he's currently in prison. And the Lord, and will be, probably until he's, if he survives, probably until he's uh, in his 70s. And, and the Lord told me uh, several years back, he said, Dave, you've, this is eating you alive. You've got to love him. How do I love him? And he told me, he said, from, from here on out, first thing in the morning, when you get up and you pray and we talk, he's one of the first ones on your prayer list. And I will tell you daily how to pray for him. Now, does that get me audience in front of him? No. But it helps me in my heart to try to walk according to the Spirit. And so when people do offend me, Jesus said offenses must come, right? We, we all get offended, right? Everybody gets offended today. So that's, that's like the fun thing, right? You know? Everybody gets offended. It's fun to get offended. You know? Being sarcastic. Uh, but if you do, if somebody does hurt your feelings, somebody does hurt you, say, well, how do I love them? You know? Because I can't even, I don't even know if I could function in their presence. Write them down on a prayer list. First thing in the morning, let them be the very first people you pray for. Lord, how can I pray for this person today? Bless their family, bless their home, bless their finances. It's hard, it's humbling, but it's love. It's an act of love. It'll help you keep no record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, Starting with verse 6, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. Man, you want to be strong in faith? All last year we talked about walking in faith, believing God, not just believing in God, but believing God. Learn to love, because man, love never loses faith. 
is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages, gift of prophecy, gift of tongues, all that special knowledge, word of knowledge, all that stuff will become useless, but love will last forever. There's going to come a time that we won't need all these spiritual gifts that we talked about. We'll cross over into perfection when the Lord calls us home. But love, love is going to last forever. That's one of the things we get to carry into the afterlife. Amen. What's the next thing we're talking about? Ah, joie. We're going to be talking about joy, right? Joy. I love this. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. You remember Nehemiah records the, uh, the rebuilding of the temple and the wall. And you had Ezra, who was a scribe. And, and uh, King Xerxes let him come back with a whole slew of people. And he was, he was helping to serve as priest. And they wind up finding, in the rubble of the temple, they wind up finding uh, a copy of the Law of Moses, uh, the Torah, the Word of God at the time. And so they, they wind up reading it to the people, this whole generation that had never heard the Word of God. And they wind up reading it, and the people wept in repentance and, and because they realized, oh, man, we've missed the mark. We're not doing what God has asked us to do. And so they began to weep, and they stood up and said, no, 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 this is not going to be a day of weeping. It's a day of rejoicing because God has corrected us. He's, he's, he's righted our path. And he winds up saying this, and you've heard me, some of y'all have heard me preach about this, right? Uh, verse 10, then Ezra told them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet drink, and send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord, and be not grieved and depressed. Man, isn't it wonderful to know that you don't have to grieve and be depressed today? For the joy, everyone say joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength and stronghold. You can find relief from grief and depression via the joy of the Lord that will become your strength, your very strength, and a very protective stronghold. Well, how can I access that joy? Number one, he's put it in you as via the Holy Spirit, you get to bear fruit. You get to grow joy out on your limbs, right? Well, here's one way to do it. Ezra gave us a good pattern. He said, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and then take portions to those who have had nothing prepared for them. In other words, there are going to be times that you get to eat the fatness, the richness, the goodness. Look, I, I know everyone tries to be fat-free and all that type of stuff these days, but you know, those of you who grill or smoke meats and all that, if you're going to smoke a brisket, what, what do they say? You smoke it what? Fat side up. Why? Because when the fat starts getting hot, it, can, it, it winds up kind of melting all through and seasons all through the meat and all that good stuff. And I'd say, well, well, when I get a piece of meat, I cut the fat off. That's fine, but that meat tastes better because you cooked it with the fat on it. I don't care if you eat it or not afterwards. You cooked it with the fat on it, it seasons it. So he's saying, go ahead and eat the fat. Look at that. He said, it's, it's, it's low carb stuff right here. He said, eat the fat. In other words, the richness, the goodness, the fatty word of God, the anointed. That's a, a, the word anointing actually means fattedness, greasiness. So go ahead and partake of the anointing of God. Drink the sweet drink, the sweetness of his presence, the sweetness of his fellowship, the sweetness of our fellowship together. But then, in other words, hey, let's get together and have church. But let's not stop there. It says this, send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared. So in other words, don't just get together and have church. 
get together and have church, eat the fat, drink the sweet, but then go out and be the church. Take church to people that have had nothing. Prepared. God has prepared something for us when we get together and praise him. But now let's take him and take his kingdom out to every, to our households, to our jobs, to our schools, to, to the marketplace, to Walmart. Hey, I've prayed for people at Walmart. Ain't no shame in that. A lot of people need prayer at Walmart. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so John 10, 10, I love this. The thief comes only, this is Jesus speaking. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it is flowing over. Jesus's, Jesus's mission was to put us into joy partly. That was one of his jobs. To give life to the point that we can enjoy it. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. You can go through struggles. You can go through difficult times and still experience the joy of the Lord. It has nothing to do with happiness. <clears throat> you can be unhappy about some things in life. You know, it doesn't matter how good life is. There are going to be some areas of your life you're not happy about. But you can still encounter his joy. It goes beyond anything that's emotional. It's the joy of who he is and the joy of who you are in him. And that's what he came to bring. If you're not enjoying your Christian life, then you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You got to learn to fall in love with him and bear this fruit. Romans 15, 13, may the God of your hope, I love this prayer, may the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace, <coughs> excuse me, in believing through the experience of your faith. If you want to know how to encounter joy, learn to start walking in faith. Learn to just start believing him. Not believe, well, I believe in Christ. Awesome. Now believe Christ. If it's in his word, claim it, speak it, walk it, pray it. <coughs> Excuse me. Say, well, what if I haven't seen it come to pass yet? Then keep going with it and believe it, speak it, claim it, walk it, expect it. Then you'll start encountering some joy, some joy and peace. I love the fact that he put joy and peace together because we're going to talk about peace in just a second. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound and be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. I don't know about y'all, but that's what I want to encounter. I want to bubble over with hope, so full of joy, so full of peace. Amen. Anyone in here experiencing some joy and peace? If you are, please notify your faces right now. Lord, help us. I know it's early in the morning, but come on now. Peace. Love, joy, peace. I think it's awesome that Paul listed these three things together right at the top of listing out the fruit of the Spirit. Romans 14, 17 is talking about the kingdom of God. You've heard us talk about it quite a bit. After all, the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting the food and drink one likes. In other words, it's not about rules and regulations. It's not about uh, getting what you want, <clears throat> which there's a lot of folks that will preach that. You know, hey, you're in the kingdom of God. He's, he's your, your Santa Claus now. He'll bring you whatever you want. No, it's not about that. But instead, the kingdom of God is this. It's righteousness, that state which makes a person acceptable to God. Or in other words, righteousness means exactly how it's spelled, rightedness. It means that you were 
crooked at one time, and now he's corrected you. He stood you upright in his presence. So now you can stand fully, just straight up with him. You don't have to hang your head in shame. You don't have to hide from him. You don't have to cower from him. You are now righted or righteousness. <clears throat> Which consequently, if you are living in love, if you're showing love and you're loving people, you're going to be doing the right thing. It also means right, righteousness also means right action. So if you are living according to the law of love, you're going to make the right decisions. Why? Because you love him, you love you, and you love your neighbor. You're not going to make the wrong decisions for yourself. Why? Because you love yourself. You know? The law of love, rather than a, a legalistic law. You know, why is it that you're faithful to your spouse? Well, most of us would say, because we love our spouse, you know? It's not, it's not a matter of, well, I don't, I'm, I'm not unfaithful to my spouse because I don't want to go to hell. Well, that'd be a horrible reason to be faithful to your spouse. How about this? You know, I'm faithful to my spouse. Why? Because I love her. In other words, I, I'm doing, I'm making this right decision. Why? Because I love the Lord and I love you and I love me. I'm going to make the right decision. I'm going to live in righteousness and he's going to empower me to do so. Right? So love <coughs> ties right in with righteousness. So the kingdom of heaven is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The first three fruit you get to bear when you are submitted and filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, Pam. Is, or I'm, I'm sorry, Becky is like so worried about me, uh, you know, up here gagging on my coughing and stuff. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so, so the first three fruit you get to bear is actually the kingdom of heaven. You get to bear or show evidence of the kingdom of God in your life immediately. When you start submitting to the Holy Spirit, you're going to love in a righteous way. You're going to experience peace and joy. So if somebody has stolen your joy today, they, you've allowed someone to steal a third of the kingdom of God from you. If someone has stolen your peace or you've given your peace away instead of holding your peace, you have given away a, a third of the kingdom of God. If you're allowing someone to stop the flow of love in your life, which will make you make the wrong decisions, you're allowing someone to stifle a third of the kingdom of God. Y'all remember I made, a, I made a, an example several months back and almost got JJ's family to like beat him up. And it was just an example. I said, if JJ just got through smoking a big brisket and then I, I gave him a phone call, He's, he's about to carve that brisket up for his family. And, you know, I made a phone call and gave him some bad news. He gets so mad, he takes a third of that brisket and just hacks it off and throws it away. It'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? But yet we do it with the kingdom of God every day. We let someone rob us of our joy. Someone rob us of our peace. Isaiah 53, 5, look, you have a right to hang on to your peace. You have a right to not give your peace away because Christ has bought your peace for you, right? Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. He paid the price. He took the tab for you, for your peace. And with, the, and with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made 
whole. You have a right to be peaceful. I love this. Psalm 29, 11, The Lord will give unyielding and impenetrable strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. That's a promise. He's going to bless you with peace. And it comes from the Holy Spirit. You submitting to the Holy Spirit in your life. Peace, I said several weeks back, peace should be the default mode of every Christian. Peace. We always think of peace as being, you know, butterflies and a nice breeze and, you know, a cool drink and just, you know, ukulele music playing in the background somewhere or whatever. You know, this nice, peaceful, harmonious setting. That's not really, the, the word peace, actually, the root word of peace actually means unchanging, calm, unchanging, still. You know, I likened it to, we could stick a boulder right out front of the LECC, set up a camera, time lapse for the whole year, 12 months, let's keep an eye on this boulder. And, and you, you'll sit there and see the winds blow, the rains come, the sun beat down on it, ice and snow maybe fall on it, kids jump around on it, birds land on it, people drive by it. Maybe even someone graffiti it up or whatever. It doesn't matter. That rock is not going to move. It is at peace. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the environment. And if we are standing on the rock of Christ Jesus, our foundation is at peace. We may feel the winds blow, but our foundation is at peace. It is not going to move. It should be the default mode of every Christian. So let's all stand. Like I said, it always makes you feel better when the preacher says, let's all stand. <laughs> here's, here's what I want you to concentrate on this week. Lord, help me to submit myself to your spirit. And in doing so, let me bear some fruit, not just for my sake, but for everyone else's sake around me. Let me bear love. Let me bear joy. And let me bear peace so that the those who come to partake of my life can be blessed, can be edified, and so that I can replicate these qualities all throughout my world. Let love duplicate. Let joy duplicate. Let peace duplicate. And whatever mess that's all around me, let it just become compost for these seeds to begin to grow and sprout. Amen. Amen. Let's grow in the spirit. We should be the most loving people, the most joyful people, and the most peaceful people in all of this neighborhood and, and the greater Arlington area if we are truly spirit-filled. Amen? That means we don't need to be seeing each other out on next door complaining about stuff, do we? <laughs> right? See, some of y'all ain't smiling. That means I stepped on your toes. That's all right. Y'all walk on them all the time. I'll walk on them too. That means that we don't need to get involved in petty arguments. Say, well, they're, but they're wrong and I'm right. Doesn't matter. We're going to learn about that in the coming weeks. Kindness. If ever you've, you're given a chance, a choice to be right or kind, choose kind. Amen.